I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. If you had to pick out something that comes to mind, being it was Thanksgiving that you were thankful for, maybe it could be for the day or for the year or just what's going on in your life. And I'll start. You guys think about it. Every time I turn around, people are bringing me good news about you guys on your behalf. You don't know the amount of times I get an email. I mean, I tell you, but I get an email from a teacher or a message that Lindsay got from a teacher, or something from, you know, your kid's doing this or your kid's doing that, and obviously I see you guys pursue the activities that you want to do, and I see how devoted you are to them and how well you do. And then, of course, I just observe how smart you are and how well you pay attention, and the fact that you're good kids, you literally listen to what the Word says when it says, honor your mother and father. I don't feel that I'm dishonored in my own home. And that's quite the blessing for the Father. So I will say that I am thankful for you. To go along with that, I'm thankful for the power of prayer. Because I know that we don't deserve these blessings based on our own performance. But that prayer and the life in Christ, there's been intercession for us. There's been blessings that have came We've been given wells that we did not dig. I know I certainly didn't dig them. I know that if everything was based on the things that I had done, or what I deserved, that my life wouldn't be what it is. And I'm just thankful to him for the power of prayer and the answer and the blessing that it it has had on my life and especially on your life. Same. What about you, Brock? God. Yeah. Yeah, this has been quite a fun thing to spend this time learning about God, trying to connect with Him, seeing where the Spirit may lead us. Some of the prayers we have after we shut down Bedtime Bible Boys and lay our heads down to sleep, all of a sudden it's like the Holy Spirit starts lighting things up that we read about. And I just feel like the prayers, there's always an inspiration in our prayers after this that probably the people listening to to this don't get to know about. And I just hope that for them, that it also does something in their prayer life with the Lord, that things are, the Spirit's moving in ways that are far beyond my talent to read and your your kids, you boys' talent to ask questions and comment, but that there's actually the Spirit is interceding and, and teaching people because that's, what, that's just what the Spirit does. So that way it's not, we don't have to be clever, we don't have to be smart, we don't have to get all the right answers when it comes to the Word of God. We're just opening it up and sharing it 
And I think that is quite a thing to be thankful for, that we can have a relationship with God. Tonight we are continuing in chapter 10, or sorry, we're starting chapter 10, continuing Nehemiah. We finished the previous chapter talking about how the people were going to to repent, that they were making a promise to follow God and recommit themselves to the law. Recommitting yourself to doing the right thing, let's call it that. Committing yourself to doing the right thing, repenting from some behaviors that you know aren't right and trying to improve your behavior, these are good things. These are really good things. But we talked about this last time. You know what's not a good thing? Is promising God that you're going to do it and promising God that you're going to be careful to obey every part of the Old Testament. It wasn't a... back then, if you made if you made a promise and you broke it, you deserve death. That's right. That's right. The punishment of sin is death. Lying, not holding up your end of a, a contract or a promise would definitely be sinful. So you are correct, Trey. It's not a good idea now. Even under grace, it's not a good idea. One, because we're not supposed to live according to the law. We're supposed to live according to the Spirit. We read about that. We took a couple nights off Bedtime Bible Boys, and we read... Uh, last night, we just read the whole book of Colossians. It was four chapters. It was fast. But it said it in plain words. Don't go back. We read a little bit, a few chapters out of Hebrews. Don't go back to the old law. This is why a better covenant came. The, the old one didn't... It wasn't good for us. In the sense that we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain, right? So we're going to continue on here, and that's sort of what's going on. The Chapter 10 starts off naming um, the, the priests and the Levites and the leaders of the people. And there's about 27 verses of that. We're going to skip over those names and just get right into verse 28. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand. All these now join their brothers, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse, how about that, and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord, our Lord. So they're binding themselves with a curse and a promise to follow all the law. So what does that mean they're probably going to get in the future? A curse. Definitely a curse. Why are they going to get a curse? Because they can't keep the law. They can't keep the law. If they had the ability to do exactly what they just said, then who becomes unnecessary later on? Jesus. Jesus. Because if we could save ourselves by doing perfectly, why would God send Jesus to save us? He sent Jesus to do something that we were powerless to do. It's not that it's bad to do what they're, all, what they're, what they're trying to do is good. But it says they separated themselves from the neighbors. They, they went away from the bad influences. Those are good. But why does it say they did it? It says, for the sake of the law of God. And I think maybe in there, there's something that it can just help us a little bit. Let's, let's try and get to a point where we're doing... Instead of being motivated by the law of God, let's be motivated by the heart of God. You know, we were just talking about all these things like, God, in spite of what we've done, he loves us. He blesses us. He gives us wisdom and knowledge. He, there's a profound blessing on your boy's life. And the Lord is active in 
giving that blessing in prayer is effective in instead of looking at where we're struggling and saying the god who gives me all these things sets the bar right here and that's the bar i want to meet that's the law i want to follow instead of doing that let's look at it like this person who's god just does so much nice things for me and he loves me so much and that's the motivation so we want to do it for the sake of just our relationship with him rather than the law of god does that make sense We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or any holy day. Every seventh year we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. These are all individual parts of the law that they're bringing out that probably they were struggling with. And confession's a good thing. Because it helps you understand and hear what you like. This is the, these are the things I've done. You can heal. It says confess to one another and you will be healed. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set on the table, for the regular grain offering and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths, new moon festivals and appointed feasts, for the holy offerings, for sin offering to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. When it came to the sin offering to make atonement for the sins of Israel, this was the blood of animals that was spread on the mercy seat. Were any sins actually being forgiven? No. No, they weren't. All they were doing was pointing to a picture of... Christ. That's sin. right. Of our sin, you know, pointing to a picture of Jesus. These sacrifices were pointing to Jesus, who would ultimately spread His blood over over the real mercy seat in heaven. It was just a picture, right? It pointed towards Christ. There was really no power being released. It pointed to Christ. God is outside of time, so when they did this, who could God see? Jesus Christ. That's right. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of the crop and of every fruit tree. As it is written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees, and of our new wine and oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. The original term, uh, meaning of tithe is of produce. So when it says they collected the tithe, it wasn't like they went door to door with a jar and said, put a tenth of your money in here. It was literally they went and took a tenth, a tenth of, the produce. of the produce that was produced from the land. Why was that important? Because the land was given to Israel when Joshua took the Israelites into the land of the Canaanite people and God gave them this. 
it, it was appropriate to give the Lord back 10% to support the Levitical priesthood because the Levitical priesthood was not given any inheritance of land. The 11 tribes split up the land. The 12th tribe did not get any land. They lived scattered amongst the other tribes so that they could be the priests. Because they didn't have any land, which is how you produced wealth in that time, the people of all the other people who had been given land were supposed to take a tenth of whatever their land produced and the Levites were to take it. You know what wasn't produce? Sheep. Because the land did not produce sheep. Crops was produce. The land produced it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to give away a tenth of your sheep. If you sold your sheep for money, you know what isn't produce? Money. Money. Right? The tithe, as is written in the law, related to that which was produced from the land because it pointed towards what was just clearly given to you of the Lord. Now, again, we say this. That's not so that way you won't be generous with what the Lord has given you. Generosity is actually the better thing. Generosity is the thing that uh, is actually what the Lord wants. This was a law. There was nothing generous about tithing. It was part of the law. And it was to support the Levitical priesthood. When we give in the new covenant, we're not giving to support the Levitical priesthood. It has nothing to do with the old law, right? Although people will say you need to do this because it says it in the law. It has nothing to do with the old law anymore. It's just being generous because we recognize that the Lord has blessed us tremendously, like we were talking about before. And as much as we can, we would like to participate in him being a blessing to others. And sometimes helping share the things that the Lord provides us is a good way of doing that. On Bedtime Bible Boys, we give away all of our, I'll call it work. We give away our work for free. We never ask anything for it, and I don't want anything for it. It's our, it's my, it's my joy that we just share our work with others, and I never will expect that anybody will give us anything for it, and I don't want anything for it. But in a sense, I consider this being a way that you boys, if we want to use the word tithe, I consider this being a way how you guys tithe, right? Because you're freely giving of your time. There's some kids who play video games all the way up until it's time for bed, watch TV all the way up until it's time for bed. Well, we don't. We spend time in the Word, and we try and give away our learning in the Word to other people for free. So as far as I'm concerned, that's you boys being generous with your time and giving it back to the Lord so that way he can use it to change other people's hearts and lead them to Christ. That's generosity. Do you see how that's not a law? There's no law there. That's being generous. You see? Verse 38. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God to the storerooms. Why would they have to bring it up to storerooms? To store it? Yeah, because it's not just little things. It's actual produce. To the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain. Grain is produce. New wine. Wine comes from berries. Grapes. Grapes. That's, yeah, that's right. Grapes. Grapes is produce. And oil. Oil's produced from olives or some something like that, right? Yeah, some kind of thing that grows on trees that you can press really hard. That's right. That is produce. Notice he never used the word money. Never said shekels. 
They're supposed to and oil to the storerooms where the articles for the sanctuary are kept and where the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the singers stay. We will not neglect the house of our God. You know, Jesus lost, I don't want to say lost his temper. He, he rightfully acted out in anger, as we can tell, one time. And what was it? Why did he do it? Whenever the people when were selling sheep. Um, for when the they were selling instead of the ones they That's right. And he got so mad he flipped over the tables with coins. That's right. And what were you saying that too, Trey? Yeah, they at the church they were selling lambs to people who they thought had un, unclean lambs. That's right. So and thought their lambs were the cleanest. Right. So the temple had became a place of business of commerce. Right. Which that, doesn't seem right. That was definitely not what Jesus wanted to happen there. He did not want people to feel like they could pay money for God's favor. But you'll hear that in churches. When we look at actually how the tithe was used, that we're ever talking about money, we are talking about what was produced from the land. And even if you are a farmer who has produce from the land, we are no longer under the old law. Like I said, we are under something greater, and that is to be generous and loving and live with charity. That's something the old law could never give us, but... When we get a new heart given us, when we are newly born in Christ, now we have the ability to be generous, not just live according to a law. What about churches that say, like, tithing 10% of your money is giving back to God? We've written checks to a lot of churches. You know mm-hmm. who I've never written a check to? Who? God. Right? Yeah. And now, they say, you, you're doing this for the work of the Lord. That's true. But... I'm giving money to a church, and I don't rightfully know what that money is going to. I don't really know if it's going towards, I don't know. There's a lot of times I don't know, because I didn't I didn't give it to God. I gave it to the church, and I trusted them with it. Go ahead, bro. I feel like they always bring it to like people who are poor mm-hmm. at like hospitals or stuff like that. I believe that churches are very and listen this i'm not saying don't be generous to your church i'm not even discouraging people not to tithe discipline is a good thing especially if it takes some discipline to learn how to be generous i'm not saying these are bad things brock i think you're right i think churches do a lot of good stuff with the money i think they help a lot of people i think they do spread the word of god i think it's in when you go into a place and there's a worship team up there worship does help you enter into a unique place with the lord And these things cost money. I understand that completely, right? And I am all for that, uh, for helping helping them achieve those things. And that's why we have. But I've never directly given my money to God. I don't think he needs it, right? It's really not about God needing it. It's about what condition is my heart in. Mm. We can all grow in this place. Look at all they did. They said, okay, you can tell that they went through the law as, as the people are reading it and they went through like law by law or like celebration by celebration or a, a, atonement procedure by procedure and said we've appointed somebody to do this we've appointed somebody to provide the offering for this we've appointed these people to so look listen to what they're doing this is tricky listen to this they went through the law and they started seeing thinking okay what will it take for us to fulfill this and they started appointing people to do that 
right? This is the start, in my mind, of Pharisaical Judaism. You know what Pharisaical Judaism is? No. Okay, you've heard of the Pharisees, right? Yes. Pharisaical Judaism is the sect of Jews that early on went through the law and recorded every law and they said we don't want to accidentally violate these laws so we're going to put a law in front of the law to keep us from ever violating the law. Does that make sense? So if we, I always use this example if the law said don't work on the Sabbath that's what Judaism said. Pharisaical Judaism would say, don't even walk through a grain field on the Sabbath because, why try? Don't even help a person get up out of their chair. Yeah, don't even help somebody because that could be looked at as work. Or if you walk through this field, you're... you're they kind of cl- just exaggerate the law. That's right. If you <laughs> walk through this field, your clothing could hit the grains and it could be spreading them over the field. And so you could be accidentally planting new crops. If you're close. So that's what Pharisaical Judaism did. They like exaggerate it and they took it to where it was no longer about a heart of the Father anymore, which really the heart of the law is this love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. That's the heart of the law. Jesus said, if you do these two things, you will never be in violation of God's law. But Pharisaical Judaism did stuff like this, where they said, okay, we're going to break this down into manageable pieces, and we're going to find a way to manage it. Basically, think Tower of Babel. We're going to find a way to build ourselves a tower that goes all the way to God. We don't need him to save us. We will build the tower to him by the work of our own hands. That's the end of chapter 10. Trey, are they going to be able to keep up this oath? No. Are they going to be able to do all the things they say they're going to do? No. No. Brock, how long do you think it will be before they violate the law of God? Put it this way. If you made an oath, according to the Old Testament, to live according to it perfectly, how long do you think, how much time do you think will go by before you would end up violating it in some way? About a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. Minutes, you know? For most people, I think it's minutes. And then maybe, maybe for like a good person it would be about a few hours. And when you say good, you mean somebody who was like really devoted to trying to keep it. Because we know that nothing is good except for what comes to us through Christ. That even the things that we call good by our conduct, our good behavior, when we look at somebody and say, oh, that's good, they did good. You know what the New Testament refers to those works as? Dirty rags. That's absolutely right, Brock. It refers to them as dirty rags. So we may call it good, but in the eyes of the Lord, compared to what holy is, compared to what the righteousness of Jesus Christ is, which he offers us, those works are dirty rags. What these guys are trying to do right now is pile up dirty rags and present them to God and say, look how good we are. We brought you all these dirty rags, Father. (laughs) (laughs) It's like to me going to the kitchen, getting a bunch of rags from Muddy, and I'm like... And, and you're like the kind of guy that's like super hard to impress. And I'm like, here, Dad, look at these dirty rags. Aren't they awesome? Awesome. You know what I would say, Trey? Trey, keep your rags. I don't want your rags, son. I want one thing. What do you think it is? My heart. Your heart. Your heart. 
I don't want the rags. All I want is your heart. Your rags are for you, if you want them. But I'm interested in one thing. I'm interested in your heart. Now, when that grips you, when that grips you, then you will understand generosity rather than tithing. Then you will understand kindness rather than abiding by a law. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I love you, boys. Love you, too. You guys are good kids. <laughs>